Hello again, friends, and welcome to My Back 40 and the My Back 40 podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy. Well, I hope you're having a great week, or have you had a great week. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tyler Hamilton. Um, I like talking to that dude. He's always got a lot of interesting insight. And, um, you know, I always, we didn't talk much about the uh, the book, clearly, um, The Secret Race, but um, I just figured I didn't want to dwell on that too much. So I'm glad we didn't get into that too much. I just want to keep it positive, you know? And, um, yeah, response has been good. So thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy the content. Um, I want to talk about some stuff today. No voice intros. That was kind of a bummer. Why don't you guys send me voice intros, man? Whip out your phone and record me one and send it to myback40podcast at gmail.com and I'll put it on the show. Um, I've had some great ones and uh, they were trickling in at a really good rate and, uh, oh man, I want to get them so bad. I just, I love putting them in at the beginning of the podcast. I think it adds kind of a cool element and uh, connects our community, which I love so much. So uh, yeah, send me something and I'll pop it in there. Um, do you guys read books? I'm not the, the most super well-read guy, I'm going to have to admit. I could never sit still and just read a book. But <clears throat> kind of recently I got into the Audible thing and man, um, I'm really digging it. And uh, I don't know what it costs. I think it's like 12 bucks or 14 bucks a month and you get one credit and you can get a book with that credit. And I think that's worth it. I think it's it's worth it. Because, you know, what does a book cost in the store? Like 20 bucks? Um, again, is this like reverse sponsorship? I don't know. I know there's lots of ways you can listen to books, but um, I use Audible and I, I really dig it. And I thought I would just pull out my device and let you guys know what I listen to. I've, li- I've kind of talked about some of the books that I've listened to in the past. I'm just going to go to my library here. What do we have? Um, this book, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. He talks about the use of uh, psychedelics for treating um, depression, mental, like, uh, mental disorders, PTSD, et cetera. Uh, really, really awesome book. <clears throat> what else is in here? Uh, Waking Up by Sam Harris. I think the subtitles uh, Spirituality Without Religion, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, awesome book about um, uh, being mindful, uh, the, the practice of mindfulness and meditation. Uh, awesome book. Actually, last year on the, on the Lost Elephant, I listened to uh, Rich Roll's book, Finding Ultra. And um, if you think you're suffering <laughs> when you're out there riding... Man, listen to that book because uh, he did this race called the Epic Five. And it's like he did one full Ironman triathlon on each of the Hawaiian islands. And he, he had to he had to do five of them in five days. Him and his buddy. I can't remember his buddy's name. I think he only had, he only had one arm, I think. But uh, the dude, the, these guys are savages. It's crazy. So if you think you're suffering on the trail, I was listening to that and I was like, <laughs> this is... Yeah, this is not what they were dealing with, that's for sure. Um, this book called Civilized to Death by uh, Christopher Ryan. Um, Christopher Ryan has a, a a podcast called Tangentially Speaking. Super interesting podcast. He talks to a lot of really, really interesting people. And um, that's kind of where I got the inspiration for the voice memos because people send him, uh, send him ones from, like all over the world. And, uh, yeah, I find it really, uh, really cool that he connects with all these people and, uh, yeah, like check him out. He, he, he talks to, it's just a huge, wide variety of different topics on that podcast. I love listening to it. Um, Max Tegmark, he's a mathematician, um, uh, cosmologist, physicist, and uh, he wrote a book called life 3.0 and it's just kind of about the emergence of, uh, AI kind of, um, in society and, 
the options that we have and how we're going to control it and all the different scenarios. It's, it's fucking fascinating. Um, like a secret race. I've talked about that quite a bit. And then the last two books I have on here is, um, stillness is the key. And my, my uh, coach, Ryan Draper recommended that to me. Awesome book. Um, focused, focused around stoicism. I'm gonna have to listen to it again. I'm not going to go on and, and try to pontificate on that book. Um, there it's pretty dense for me. So, um, there's a lot to learn in there. So I was really fascinated by that book. Um, and the other one that I've most recently downloaded, it's called, uh, compete to create. And, uh, it's written by, um, Michael Gervais and, um, it's kind of a bit more self-helpy, I guess. Um, but what it's doing is it's, it's just, it's teaching you how to, um, be grounded and find your philosophy and find your values and, and, and there's worksheets in there that you can use to kind of figure out kind of what you stand for and how to stand up for that. And like I say, I'm only a couple hours into it. Um, again, pretty fascinating. So, you know, um, I've been, I've been struggling with a lot of mental health issues. I mentioned it on here a couple of times and, um, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough, man. It's, it's, it's hard to, um, you know, these habits get ingrained in you you know, these, these behaviors, I should say, get ingrained in you. And, um, they, certain stages of life, they come out and they don't come out in the best way. And I'm really struggling with it. And I'm really, really trying, I'm really trying to, you know, get my shit together. And, uh, you know, I'm almost 50 and, uh, I still haven't got it figured out and it's, it's bananas. It's constant work. And I don't think I've put enough work into it. And, uh, I'm trying, I'm really trying. So that's, that's a lot of these books are helping me do that. They're giving me different lenses and, and on things and on issues. And I can relate to some of the stories that are in them. And, and, uh, it's tough, man. And I know a lot of people out there are struggling and, uh, it's not just physical activity. It's, it's all the work you have to do to yourself. And, um, I need to do it. And maybe the reason I'm telling you this right now is because things are pretty tough and I really need to clean my shit up. And I think that maybe if I, if I put it out there to the universe, like, like this, that maybe it'll help me commit and be more consistent with the way I'm, I'm trying to deal with my behavior. And, um, yeah, just maybe, just maybe you guys can just come along for the ride, but you know what? <clears throat> I'm not going to get into a lot of detail or anything, but you know, being vulnerable is tough, man. Like, it, it takes so much courage to be vulnerable and put yourself out there. And I don't think a lot of people do that. And, you know, depending on what generation you grew up in, you may not have really been encouraged to do that, to share your feelings. And I feel like I was able to do that. I mean, everyone's experience is different with their families, obviously, but you know, I've always been a pretty sensitive guy and I, I could always go to my family to talk to them about stuff. And I still do. And, um, and, you know, my, my mom and dad and my, my sister have been great support. And uh, hopefully people out there who are also struggling can find someone to talk to who will listen and try to understand them. And um, it's important. And if you need to get a therapist, get a therapist. They're helpful. And, um, you know, that's, it's important. We just got to work on our shit. And uh, it's, it doesn't, it's not weakness. It's not showing weakness to go and get help. It's um, showing that you are committed to making a change in your life for the better, I think. And whatever happens around you, um, you can't control that. The only thing you can, tr can control is yourself. 
and your emotions and your your thoughts and ideas. So I think that's why a lot of these books, you know, another one I didn't mention was Jordan Peterson's 12, 12 Rules for Life. Um, Jordan's a super contentious guy, not in my opinion, but if anyone who's heard him on the internet, you might've read short snippets in the news about, about his different ideas and things he's said. Um, uh, it's all bullshit. You know, you have to listen to this man speak for more than five minutes or 30 seconds on a, on a news clip to really understand where he's coming from. And, uh, he's a really interesting dude. And I would encourage you to, to, uh, maybe grab that book. It's interesting. I listened to that one on the lost elephant last year. And there's a couple times in the middle of the night, I was listening to that and I was fucking in tears because you can relate to a lot of the stuff that's being said. And dude, he even cries in it while he's narrating it. He, 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 the author Jordan Peterson narrates his own book, which I think is the best way to read a book because you can really get the feeling um, of the author through when they're reading it. But um, yeah, there was a chapter in there where he was breaking down and he was talking about finding meaning. And you know, that's what, I, I think my podcast goal was was to find personal meaning and uh, creative outlet, um, stuff like that, just to, I don't know, you need a creative outlet. And I've said that before as well. So, so you know, a lot of these books that I've been reading have been kind of nudging me in, certain, in a certain direction. And um, some of it's been, all of it's been good, but I haven't been, some of my other emotions haven't been nudged in the right way yet. So I keep searching for, new books to read and, and trying to learn more and trying to be more insightful. And, and yeah, I'd encourage you to, to, you know, and, and we spend so much time on our bikes, um, that sometimes you get in that good flow and you can just put a book on and you can spin away for a couple hours. Like when do you have time to read two hours in a book, like sitting at home, especially if you have a family, you don't have two hours to do that. So that's why I find the, the audio book. So, um, so handy for me and just the, for my lifestyle is that I can go out and, and pop the buds in and, and just try to learn something. And you get distracted. It's almost mindfulness training in and of itself because you'll be riding along listening to a book and you'll, your mind will wander. You'll get distracted thinking about other stuff rather than focusing on the book. And, and most of the time, it's, it's bullshit anyway. That's, that's interrupting your enjoyment of that book. Yeah, that um, Compete to Create, uh, the negative self-talk that comes up a lot in that book. Um, just being self-deprecating and, you know, trying to be more positive and more optimistic, et cetera, et cetera. Everything that I'm, I'm trying to work on. So I just thought I'd share that with you. And, um, yeah, I hope you find your own books to read through audible or any other type of, uh, medium you'd like to use. Or if you have time to read those books on paper, all, all, all the more power to you. I know my, my wife, uh, hasn't had much time to read lately, but was a voracious reader. And, and she tells me she just loves the tactile feel and the smell of holding a book in your hand, which I, I totally appreciate. Um, if you can maintain that, I, it's awesome. But uh, I just I spend so much time on the road, on, on the wheels, rather, on the pedals, rather, <laughs> that uh, I need something to listen to. But anyway, something else I wanted to bring up is, um, you know, with, with everything going on in the world right now, uh, you know, I've talked to this, uh, sports psychologist, his name's Matt Bain. Uh, now he's, he's starting his PhD process again. He was a PhD candidate, you know, he has a family, he's got a practice and he's trying to concentrate on that. Uh, but now he's picking up the PhD process again. And, um, I want to get him on again, and I don't know when that will be, but I thought I would just throw something out. If you want to hear a couple conversations I've had with Matt Bain, uh, if you go back to Bikepack Canada, go over bikepack.ca, go into the podcast. It's number 61, and uh, it's the mechanics of motivation. And I thought a really interesting conversation about the uh, 
uh, intrinsic and extrinsic rewards that we're looking for and what motivates us. Uh, whether it be in competition or in life, just anything. And um, primarily we talk about sports psychology and, and the motivation of like, you know, training motivation or um, if you're out there, say you're out there bikepacking and have a, you have a, a huge negative experience coming back from that experience or living that experience then and then finding it in yourself intrinsically find that motivation to continue moving forward to finish the ride. And something that's really important for people who, want to, you know, know more about the mental side of, of riding these endurance events. So number 61, Bike Pack Canada, Matthew Bain, and I talk about um, um, the mechanics of motivation. And then on the My Back 40 podcast, episode nine, we, we talk about coping with change. It's kind of uh, more surrounding COVID and how it's changing our lives in all these different ways and how our families are changing and, you know, there's, there's new rules around things about cleanliness and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of stuff we haven't really had to deal with before. So that's another one I'd suggest you listen to if you haven't already. It's a fantastic conversation. I love talking to Matt. He's just such a straight shooter. Um, I kind of called him a stoic once and he doesn't practice it, but he just has this demeanor about him. Just this wonderful, curious, uh, he's just a wonderful, curious person. And uh, I really enjoy talking with him. So what I'm throwing out to you is um, if you had, if you wanted to ask a sports psychologist a question, what would that be? And I want you to email those questions to myback40podcast at gmail.com. I want to collect a bunch, bunch of questions and I'm going to throw them at Matt and then we can maybe have a Q&A. We can either focus on one topic for the whole time. And he doesn't know about this yet, so don't tell him. <laughs> I'm just getting the, I'm getting, I'm greasing the wheels, if you will. Um, but I, I hope to chat with him again. He's, I think he's on board. But um, yeah, we might do focus on one topic or we might be able to spend some time talking about a lot of different topics, depending on how many questions come in. So throwing that your way, um, he's, he's open to talking about all sorts of stuff. So send questions to myback40podcast at gmail.com and uh, I'd love to have you guys involved in a conversation. Going back to the books quickly, I know I've been yapping my face off for what, like 15 minutes almost. But um, there's this book, I haven't read it yet, and it's called Breath, and uh, I just have it written down here. It's um, The author is James Nestor, and what he's talking about is the, um, the evolution or de-evolution of the way we breathe as a species. And if you go back in time uh, and you look at the, what we've come from, um, we were designed and evolved to, from breathing through our nose. We should be breathing through our nose. It's really interesting. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast. And um, because our, our entire airway is designed for us to be breathing through our nose. Our nose air, and it conditions the air as it goes in. It filters the air. Um, you know, uh, it, uh, it conditions it. It changes its temperature um, and humidity before it, it goes into our lungs to optimize the air that's coming into our body. And, um, the, apparently the inside of our, our nasal cavity, it's, it's like shaped like a, like a, I think he said like a conch, like a shell, like a seashell. So there's all these baffles and what the baffles do, and, and they accelerate the air and they spin the air. And I remember learning that, um, in a yoga class, um, power yoga, we we're doing the, uh, oh, I can't remember the breathing, what they called it, but you know, deep, um, guttural. kind of breathing where you generate heat in your core. And, um, and it was told that when you breathe through your nose, the, the way that the, the air swirls through your nasal cavity provides more oxygen. So I, I was riding the other day and I did kind of 
you know, my whoop strap told me I did a pretty high strain day. I was going to go riding today, but I, I had a horrible recovery last night, so I'm not. But I practice that. It's really interesting. It's like there's this natural response to just ah, open your mouth when you're breathing through your nose, especially under load. When you're under a certain cardiovascular vascular load, you know that when you get to that point where you're like, ah, 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 well, that's it's horrible. It's 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 you're not filtering or conditioning the air before it enters your body. And you're not not actually getting the same volume of air into your body as you would if you're breathing through your nose. So I was trying it, and it was really interesting. Uh, on a climb, <clears throat> um, you know, and again, I say it all the time, I, you know, I ride single-speed trail. And sometimes when you're climbing, it's fucking hard, and, and you get under this heavy cardio load. And uh, I, was re- I really had to focus on keeping my mouth shut and just taking the air in and out through my nose. And holy shit, man, it was crazy. It wasn't like Wim Hof-ish. I wasn't like tripping out or anything. But the amount of volume and the amount of um, inward pressure you can generate using uh, breathing from your diaphragm and inputting and outputting through your nose was crazy. And my body wanted to open its mouth to pant. And I think that's more like, not pant, but you know what I mean. It's more like, it's just a physiological reaction to the way we've always breathed and um i want you to try it i want you to try it and let me know what you think go out there for a ride don't just start slow and then try not to breathe through your mouth just breathe through your nose and i hope you know what maybe i'm i'm preaching to the choir maybe you guys already do this but um i found it very interesting and i'm going to practice it more i found uh i was very efficient and i recovered way faster after the climb so when when it flattened out and i was still breathing through my nose my recovery was very very rapid so give it a try um, and let me know what you think. I don't know if you want to. Maybe you're out there doing it and uh, you want to send a voice memo talking about it. Do it. I want to hear about it. I just want to hear what your experience is. And um, those of you who listen to books, um, let's read the book together. Uh, I, I have a new credit rolling over kind of uh, mid next month. I just kind of renewed my credit, but I need some uh, bit more stuff to you know, fix my demons. So I, I got a different type of book that uh, compete to c- create. But next one, I want to get breath and I really want to play with that and see what it's like. So do that and let me know what you think. So without further delay, I want to bring you Justin Henninga. I know I talked for a long time there. Um, I've got the time. And if you guys want to listen, those of you who didn't want to listen to you, just fast forward it to the conversation. Um, but uh, I hope you got something out of it. It was kind of fun. But uh, yeah, Justin uh, he won the Lost Elephant Ultra Race uh, this year, and uh, I'm going to get it wrong because I'm just kind of blabbing away now, but it was uh, two days, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, and four, and like uh, four hours and 15 minutes or something like that. Super fast. He was like five hours ahead of me, and uh, I wanted to reach out to him because it was his rookie race, and uh, super impressed um, with his effort, and uh, uh, I wanted to talk to him about it, just kind of how we prepared and what he what he brought, and uh, share stories and we both kind of share stories about our experience and um, it was really fun talking to Justin learn a bit about him and uh, and he's super stoked to be you know uh, part of the bikepacking community and it was it was awesome to initiate him by having him on the podcast so without further delay I bring you Justin Hedinga yeah. so how was your day well pretty good yeah. pretty good I'm like first week back at work after uh, the race so i'm kind of like getting my kind of getting my head above water and yeah email cleared out and all that my coach calls it integration it's like you got to get back and you got to integrate right because now it's yeah things are just 
I mean, it's a short one too, right? Like the longer ones are weird, you know, is this your first one? The lost elephant? Yeah. I mean, cool. I'm, I've never, I mean, I've gone like bike touring and done simple bike packing in the past, you know, but never done an event like a formal event. Right. Um, so totally had no idea. Well, you know, no idea how I'd really handle it. Well, you handled it well. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, 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 uh, yeah, just, it, it was, I've never really raced other than like downhill racing and enduro racing. So like, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a different pace, right? Definitely. <laughs> like, um, people start pretty fast. I noticed. And my, my, uh, I was doing, I was reading your write up on Facebook and, um, it was so funny cause I could just relate to most of it. It was just so relatable to me. Like, yeah. um, yeah, it was awesome. And, um, uh, yeah, what were we, sorry, I just kind of gapped it. I'm just doing levels and stuff. So I could just kind of gapped what we were talking about. <clears throat> um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah. Starting fast. And, yeah. um, and yeah, it's just like, you've got all day, man, that day one, like yeah. you, you've got all day to figure it out. And you, yeah. al- you alluded to it a little bit that on your third day, you couldn't get your heart rate over 130. You said something like that, yeah. right? It's interesting yeah, yeah. because day one kind of sucks. Not doesn't really suck, but your body's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. And then the second day it's like, oh, okay, we're going to do this again. And then it's like, I had the same experience on, on day three, you started way earlier, but, um, it was interesting cause I felt really just in the groove. Like I wasn't really sore. You know, the body was just like, okay, I know what we're doing. And it just kind of gets into that mode, you know, yeah. right away in the morning. And, um, yeah, the third day was interesting cause it was a suffery day too. Right. Man. Oh, yeah. It was so hot. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I went, I finished at 1030 or something. So I kind of got away without being too hot that day, but that was a good call. Yeah. It got hot on you guys. Yeah. That was brutal. Um, so I am recording and we kind of, we got, we dove in really fast there, but that's okay. Um, Justin, it's nice to meet you and congrats, <laughs> congratulations. Um, I kind of reached out to you after, um, shortly after the race and I was just like, Oh, congrats. And, and, um, and, uh, I thought we, it'd be fun to get together and just chat about kind of our experience yeah. and your experience. Cause I've done a couple and this is kind of your first one. And, but, um, just, just so people listening can kind of learn a bit more about you. Why don't you just start from the beginning a little bit and just tell people who you are and is your last name, uh, pronounced, uh, Hatinga? just Hatinga? Like Hatinga. Hedinga. 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 Yeah. So I did pronounce it wrong the yeah. other day when I was on a podcast. Hedinga. Yeah, cool. So why don't you just tell people a little bit about, about Justin and, and kind of what was your, what's your background and, and kind of what are you up to now? Yeah. Um, I, uh, live in Calgary. I've, you know, first got into cycling, back in the late 80s when I was in high school. And uh, back then on the 
just simple cross-country riding growing up in Saskatchewan. Um, Quote-unquote mountain biking in Saskatchewan, if you can call it that. But uh, yeah, no, I was, that was my, my start into the cycling world, uh, just commuting and learned to love bikes ever since high school. And I uh, also kind of grew up with a love for travel and have kind of lived all over the world. And uh, yeah, raised my family. My I'm at a stage of life where my kids have now left the house and suddenly I find myself able to train a little harder and starting to think about things like, hey, some new kinds of challenges out there. And that's where I got interested in bikepacking. And this race was the first kind of big race. Although last year, last year I kind of got interested in doing something out of the ordinary and cycling. And I went from like enduro racing. And then last year I decided to do an Everesting. Oh, right. And I did an Everesting last summer. And that was my first foray into serious suffering. Um, and then this year I decided to try a bike packing race and stumbled upon lost elephant online and thought, Hey, this looks really cool. You kind of jumped in with both feet. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally. I mean, I, I come from more of a mountain bike background, you know? Um, so that's what was intriguing about lost elephant was this was a little more mountain bike than gravel bike. I, so that kind of intrigued me. And so, yeah, just kind of jumped in with both feet with a buddy of mine from Calgary here that I ride with, you know, all the time. And we decided to try this new thing together. So you had always been um, kind of cycling is a, is a big part of your life already. So did you have to yeah. like step up your training at all? Or you're just kind of like, nah, I'm just going to go do this and see what happens. No, I definitely stepped up the training in the last couple of years, for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. I started, yeah, I, I started training legitimately, you know, on a bike trainer in the basement, you know, in the dark, all, all winter long kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Man, you got to get a fat bike. What are you doing in the basement? Yeah, I know. I need to get a fat, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I should get a fat bike. I know, I know. No, I, I, uh, I get it. The whole Zwift uh, thing is pretty compelling. Here, so I, I like in the winter, if I'm going to get out, I prefer to put the sticks on. and Yeah. Yeah. Cro like cross country, skate? Cross country skiing, just more back country. And oh, cross country, okay. Yeah. So it sounds like you probably have a pretty, a pretty stable aerobic base anyway. Yeah. I mean, that, that was never a problem. So I always had a good base and, then I guess I just sort of formalized the training and just started pushing myself a little more. Yeah. Cool. You said you, you traveled a lot at the beginning of the conversation. It's what, what kind of, yeah. kind of traveling have you done or do you do that for work? Yeah, it's been, you know, for work more than anything, I guess. Um, we've lived, my wife, Tammy and I, you know, we've been married now 26 years. Wow. We've That's lived nice. in, we lived in Costa Rica for a little bit, nearly a year. And then we lived in, Cusco, Peru, uh, near Machu Picchu. We lived there for 10 years. That's where I did a ton of riding and really got back into riding. I was living in the Andes. Just kind of riding all over in the southern, the central Andes mountains. Yeah. 
get your elevation training down there. Lots of elevation. <laughs> and a half thousand feet right so oh my God. That's a valley bottom so i'd be regularly riding at 14 15, feet that's crazy it performing at the same kind of level do you think that's just oh, no. i can't imagine no, like... no i mean you, you definitely don't perform at the same level but i mean back in those days it was mostly for me it was mostly downhilling and so it was mostly pushing pushing heavy bikes to the top of big mountains and then yeah, free riding down. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. And what kind of work do you do? I work for a linguistic, uh, linguistic language development organization. So I work with, I work with small minority language communities around the world. Uh, I'm a, I'm a literacy specialist. So I help with education programs in small languages. So yeah, that was the introduction for me. My kind of my first big assignment with them was to work with indigenous languages in the southern part of Peru, helping with education programs and such. Great, meaningful work. That sounds sounds awesome. Yeah, it's something I totally love. Something I'm still involved with. I just oversee and more administration of that kind of stuff. Projects all over, from you know a lot of work in among first nations groups here in Canada, all the way down into the Amazon and everything in between. Uh, pretty, pretty exciting, fun, fulfilling stuff for sure. But it, it's what had me traveling all the time up until COVID. So <laughs> you think that's going to pick up again? What are your feelings about that? Uh, it, it, it's going to pick up, but not, not, it's never going to go back to the same. I, I'm not expecting the same level um, of travel and ease of travel. Um, certainly not for a couple of years. You certainly see a lot less um, aircraft flying overhead now. Like, oh, look, a plane. Well, I haven't seen one of those for yeah. a while. It's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't live too far from the airport in Calgary, so I notice a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Like, how, how much? How much difference would you say? Like, uh, like seventy-five percent less, ninety percent. I feels wow. like it must be down. I, I don't, you know, you can't quote me on that, but oh, I'm just like, yes. I mean, it used to be like you just see planes coming and going all the time. Now wow. it's like every once in a while you're like, oh, a plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing like a pandemic to change the way we live, right? Yeah. No. So it, you know, for me, it's changed my, my, my work a fair bit, you know, but uh, yeah, it's been nice too. A nice, for me, it's been a nice change of pace. I was kind of traveling internationally probably twice a month. Wow. Wow. So now suddenly I've been at home for like since March. So I can't complain. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. Has that been a weird adjustment? I mean, you say it's nice, obviously, but was there an adjustment period? Like that, oh, that's sure. a huge adjustment. For sure. Cause I just kind of like on this constant travel addiction high or something. I. <laughs> <laughs> You just kind of get used to it. Like, uh, you know, after being home for two or three weeks, it's kind of hits you like, when's the next trip? You know, I'm ready to head back to the airport. Uh, you know, I enjoy travel, even though I travel an insane amount. And um, it definitely gets old, but at the same time, I, I love the adventure of it. So, um, but I've enjoyed just time with family and, more time at home. It's been good. 
yeah, all that travel, you probably had it, it probably had its own circadian rhythm for you. You know, it was just kind of like just this rhythm that just got interrupted, and now you've got a, you know. Yeah. Well, no, that, that you know that led probably helped my training too, because suddenly I wasn't like I couldn't travel, I couldn't train consistently because I was constantly traveling. It's really hard to train, so I uh, that probably helped me get a little fitter this winter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So, um, yeah, the lost elephant, what, a what an interesting track, right. And, uh, um, so tell me a little about, a little bit about your experience. So, uh, you went in, you're feeling good, feeling, feeling healthy and feeling fit and confident. Were you carrying any fear or, uh, hesitation with you when you, when you started? Well, I, you know, I, I knew, you know, I knew I could go out and ride a couple hundred K. I knew I could ride for 24 hours. Um, the, really, the unknown was going to be, you know, would I be able to still move when I woke up the next <laughs> day too? That, that to me was just the unknown. I was like, uh, am I just going to be seized up? I, I don't know. It's interesting. You know, I, it just, it was unknown. So, but that was part for part, you know, for me, that was just, the adventure of it is like, this is like something totally new to try. I don't know. I just, I've always loved backpacking. I've loved getting out in the mountains and exploring. I've loved mountain biking. These things just sort of came together. And I was doing it more of as a challenge and as a adventure. It wasn't really a race so much. It wasn't until like Saturday morning and I kind of rode through Gold Creek where there was suddenly cell reception and I look at my phone and I looked on the track leaders and I'm like, what? There's nobody <laughs> in front of me. I just assumed there was going to be a whole bunch of people in front of me. And, and I was like, uh, I guess I'm out front. And then that just sort of lit a fire mm. under my rear totally. end. And I was like, I guess I'm just going to keep going hard. And yeah, so that just changed. And then, but then, then the downside is you're constantly looking over your shoulder, just thinking Steve's going to catch me at any moment or Eric, you know, Eric was the first while right behind me. And I was like, just kidding. You know, <laughs> we're coming over your shoulder. Just like, they're going to catch up to me. Surely the single speeders are coming. I was looking, I was looking for Eric, uh, after the uh, wild horse pass because, um, I, I was surprised to read you did the bushwhack in the dark, which would have sucked. That would have sucked. And um, I was almost, I was almost scheduling my time so that I didn't get there. And then I was thinking, you know, I did it. That same bushwhack was on the jumbo last year, which was a, a different track yeah. and you come from the top side. So, <clears throat> um, but yeah, I was kind of thinking, Oh, I kind of want to catch Eric cause Eric's on a good rhythm and we're, we're, we're pretty good, pretty well paced just so I could have a buddy <laughs> to yeah. go up into the yeah, bushwhack yeah. with. And then I ended up passing him in the middle of the night. Like I got to Canal Flats at, at midnight and, and noticed he was like, oh shit, he's like 20 kilometers up the road. I passed him. I didn't yeah, see his bivy. Yeah, somewhere and you just rode right past right him. Right past him. Yeah, I didn't even notice. My, I run such a low light that I, all I see is like yeah. just the dot on yeah. the... <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, um, I did experience a little bit of that. I, I didn't realize until I got to the very end that no one was no one was around like so many people scratched and yeah. um and it was just like you and me and eric and um harry and mo 
That's that was actually a couple coming up at the four and five. So there were like five people on track <clears throat> that did it, and it's it seemed that the rate of attrition for the jumbo is pretty high, actually. No doubt. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting. So I got there and I, I went my phone. That was the first time I checked track leaders the whole time. No, except in Canal Flats and. I was like, where is everybody? No one's here. And everyone, you know, everyone scratched. It was, yeah. yeah. That final day, man, was so, so hot. Where did you sleep the first night? Where were you? The same place you did. Um, you got so up I, early and left, right? Yeah, I got uh, in there. Like I pulled in maybe 9.30 p.m. And I was like, I don't want to do this next climb. I'm just going to, my strategy was like sleep early and and because I knew I would just, I couldn't survive the cold all night. So my plan was, you know, so when I woke before I, as I was getting into my baby sack, you know, tons of guys were starting to show up and you obviously showed up probably when I was fast asleep or trying to get to sleep or something. Yeah. I rolled in about midnight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, set my alarm for three fifteen or something and, yeah, when I woke up, there was people like, uh, there must have been 15 people scattered around that spot. Yeah, in the morning, Sitting. in the morning, yeah, it was me and um, um, I think it was Eric was there and then Patty was there. Um, Andrew was there and then Harry and Mo were there. So like seven or eight people. I think we hit, yeah. the, we hit the road about six. Yeah. And that was, that was a different strategy for me too. I slept a lot more this time. And I thought that, I thought that was beneficial actually. You got a good sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Like six, well, five, right, six I hours. Would, yeah. I, I at least laid and shivered there for a number <laughs> of hours, but I might have slept at some point, I'm sure. But uh, that first night I didn't sleep great. And, uh, you know, I took off, I guess, 3.45, 3.30, I was... I was pedaling away, but I mean, I had my down coat on for a good half hour before I stopped shivering. Um, I was just cold, but I ran into one other guy that took off that also camped there. I can't remember his name, but he, he's like, he's like, I couldn't survive. It was just too cold. So he took off around one o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. And he was just walking. Uh, he was, he was hurting. Was that um, is he the English guy? He, yeah, from oh. Revy. From Revy. But he had an he had an accent, right? Was he kind of a pretty slight guy, pretty small guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah I think he, I think he, he had he saddle sores. Yeah, saddle sores, and he just had a hard night trying to you know. So he was just like, I can't sleep, so I gotta I gotta just keep moving. So um, I totally identified because I was like, yeah, no, I'll just just keep moving and stay warm. And, um, that's, that was my first night. And I mean, that was a good spot. I had hoped to make it farther than that, but again, I, I I've never done this. So, yeah. you know, one thing is to have a plan. Another thing is to execute it. So, <laughs> well, and I think you have to be flexible. I, I think that was, that's that always my, my, um, my advice too, is like you set a goal and if you don't, you have to be flexible with it because you don't know the terrain. Yeah. And it was super punchy, man. Like it was punchy, punchy oh, yeah. terrain. So it's, you know, you can go and ride 200 K in X amount of hours 
you know, if you're just going through the foothills, but as soon as you start having to push your bike up and over passes, it, <laughs> it takes a lot of time, right? Yeah, there's some funky stuff in the first 100K, especially. Oh, my God. Yeah, that crazy, like, baby head descent. Oh, yeah, some of that quad track stuff was... Well, in, did you still have a back brake at that point? No. Or you had no back brake then, right? You know, the when you cross the tracks? Yeah. You know, that, that first track crossing? It was yeah. like I was climbing up there. <clears throat> And, uh, and, uh, it got, you know, it got kind of punchy and steep and I started walking and I said, well, while I'm moving, I might as well just play around with my brake. So, um, cause it was acting up. The reach was really far. And, uh, yeah. that's, that's when all that, that stuff went down. <laughs> I was just like, fuck, like what am I, you know, it kind of, at least it was the front brake that still worked. Like I was happy about that, but, um, but I didn't have a lot of confidence in that brake because, yeah, you know, this similar generation, and it was kind of behaving the same way a little bit, you know, oh. under, especially when it got hot. And yeah. uh, I learned that it's actually a thing with the guide brakes because the guts are all plastic. So they mm. wear and they heat up and then they stop working. And, but, um, yeah, so fit, like, I think it was 50 K in <laughs> it broke. That sucks. Yeah. I just, I just read that or, you know, <laughs> well, I think I saw your uh, little, Instagram video, a little post. And I thought, oh my goodness! And yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't miss it too much. It was weird though because you're so it's so innate to break that way, and that I kept oh. grabbing, I keep reaching for it. <laughs> I kept yeah, yeah. it wasn't there. It's like, all oh, right, it's not there anymore. Yeah, but um, yeah, I I was determined to finish it though. I was gonna drag that old bike across the finish line if I had to. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, good job. Oh, thanks. Single uh, speed and one break. <laughs> Single. Yeah. One and one, one to one. Yeah, no, it was fun. I, I had a pretty good experience. Um, I packed, I packed pretty light as well. Like for the sleeping, yeah. uh, I did have my rain jacket out. So I just, I just have basically what you have, like your yeah. insulation layer and then a puffy and then a beanie and wool socks. And I, then I just use an SOL escape bivy, like that $50 yeah. body bag. And then, um, I did have to take my rain jacket out and just put it over my torso. And, yeah. uh, that helped quite a bit, like just over top of the bivy, just adding another oh. layer of uh, plastic, basically of nylon seemed to hold yeah, the heat yeah. in a bit better. But, um, yeah, no, that was an, the, the thing that actually really, um, I had a hard time getting to sleep because, you know, I nestle in and, um, I, I took a month off the bike and I've been doing a lot of, uh, self-care, like just taking care of my, my machine a bit better. So yeah. before bed, you know, I got on my back and I was just stretching and, you know, stretching the hamstrings out and the quads and stuff just so I'd go to bed and I wouldn't have restless legs. Yeah. I get that a lot, especially on those yeah. big rides. And uh, got nestled in and I roll over and I open my eyes and the sky, man. <laughs> uh, you don't you don't realize how much light pollution there is where you live until you go out in the middle of the woods in the dark. And you yeah. just oh, I just opened my eyes and went, holy shit. It was just satellite, satellite, satellite. And so I just, I couldn't help but stare at it. I just kept staring at the cosmos for about an hour. Yeah. And then finally fell asleep. Yeah, no, it was, it was beautiful. I mean, the the riding, when I got started riding at 3.30 in the morning, I had plenty of dark to ride in. Lots of climbing where you just pretty much turn your light off and just ride, just keep climbing. Yeah. Yeah. You don't don't need a lot of light. Hey, you know, like. That's yeah. You had a, what's the light you carry? You had a USB rechargeable, like a thousand lumens. What is it? 
I had just a USB rechargeable um, that, you know, just a headlamp, basic one off of, you know, Amazon or something. And I just rigged up a way to put it on my helmet and uh, it worked great. It was super bright and I had a spare rechargeable battery for it too. So what kind of bird I didn't have to use? So you didn't have to use your extra? No, I did use oh. it. I did need to because the second night, I mean, uh, I, I ended up riding a fair bit in the dark. So, yeah, so that worked out great. But I, did, I didn't have to use my uh, bar mount, bar mounted uh, light at all. That's awesome. It wasn't necessary. I prefer staying with pretty low light, keep yeah. your eyes adjusted to the dark a little more, too. Yeah. yeah. That. So, how? what kind of burn time would you get out of your headlamp? I probably got get around ten hours. Oh, that's real at a thousand lumens. It claims a thousand yeah. lumens, but I, you know, I I bet you I I might have turned it down one or two settings, mm. so might have been at five hundred or something like that. That's really good, actually. I, the reason I ask is because you know, I run a pretty low light, and I, I just run a Princeton Tech headlamp. I think on bright, yeah. it it's like maybe three hundred fifty lumens. Yeah. So I'm running, maybe I'd run with the LEDs. So it's probably just 125, but then if I'm yeah. descending, I just change it, you know, brighten it up a little bit or whatever. Brighten it up on exactly. I did the same thing. Yeah. Brighten it up. And on lithiums, I, I get like, probably get well over 20 hours, Yeah. but at, you know, pretty low light. And uh, yeah, I need to, I need to look at my light system. I can't really afford a dynamo. Yeah. I've, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you. Plus, I'm not really unless you're doing like the Tour Divide or something really mm. long. I'm not sure how much a Dynamo really makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, on the on the tour you'd have to stop and recharge that every you know few days. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it would save a lot of time if you didn't have to recharge a big cash battery because they must take like four hours to charge, right? At least, at least. Um, if you wanted to charge it in four hours, you'd need a pretty big charger, mm. big block. Right. So, um, yeah, I think if I were to do something more than four or five days, then I'd be wanting a dynamo for sure. But the inefficiency of it is, you know, what does it add? 1%, you know, depending on the hub might add half a, a percent or so of wattage on your pedal. And so, yeah, I don't really track Watts. But um, I heard like one to three watts, I think I had heard yeah. about a hub. Yeah. But I don't know. When you consider the inertia of your bike, you know, once that yeah. thing gets rolling, <clears throat> I yeah. don't know. What do I know? I don't, I don't know much about anything yeah. about physics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But something to consider. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like both our setups work pretty good. Yeah, I think so. It's I've done a couple with that setup, just with that headlamp. And, and then I did just a, like a a small black diamond headlamp on my head just if yeah. I have to look at my GPS or, yeah. or whatever. But it, it's, I find it interesting cause I, I don't really come from a backpacking background per se, but um, you don't need a lot of stuff, you know, and you, yeah. you know, I, I could probably whittle down quite a bit more if I wanted to. Yeah. What did you eat? What were you eating out there? Um, pretty simple. I mean, I, I started with a, I like real food as much mm. as I can. You know? Agreed. I just started with a whole bunch of peanut butter and honey bagels and a lot of figs and dates. And uh, I brought a couple of bags of uh, 
oatmeal, oats and stuff, just a cold soak um, and eat along the way. Or in the morning, you know, I cold soaked some oats. So when I woke up at three in the morning or 3.15, you know, I just could gobble down a Ziploc bag full of oats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That worked out really well. I, I, I hadn't done that backpacking before, but. The cold soak thing. Have, yeah. I didn't want to bring a stove or anything along. So. Yeah. Well, stove takes up, you know, like my little yeah. stove, you know, that's a lot of food, you know, in that, yeah. that amount of space. And it's, it's awkward to pack. There's no time. There's no time for that. <laughs> I, I, I missed my cup of coffee. I, uh, I tried to, I, I stuck, I, I poured a cafe via into my water bottle and tried to shake it up. Did it work? It's supposed to. Uh, not, not great. <laughs> not great. It was, did not dissolve very well. A little bit no, gritty. <laughs> chunks of like super strong coffee. <laughs> oh, it was kind of nasty actually. Oh, funny. <laughs> they need to put an anti-clumper in it so that, you know, it won't clump or something. I don't know. That yeah, was, that was the first time in an event where I didn't get any coffee the whole time. And I was, okay. kind, I was kind of, well, it was really hot. Right. So I was like, nah, I couldn't be bothered. But at Fort Steele, I got like a couple of Frappuccinos. So that yeah, kind of those, those cold ones that kind of scratched that itch. Yeah. But, um, when I got home, I was just like, I couldn't wait for the next day. Cause I was going to make a big French press. Oh, it's yeah. going to be so good. Yeah, I just had I had caffeinated mints and uh and caffeinated noon tabs. So I just kind of would trickle it in kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't add any caffeine into anything I had, so I probably missed that. Maybe next time take some of the caffeinated noon pills. I guess it depends how how addicted you are to it. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm just kind of a one or two cup a day uh, in the morning kind of more of a comfort thing probably than anything. Yeah. Yeah. That warm cup of coffee in the morning kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I brought, um, a little bit of food, uh, but I didn't touch it. I didn't No. It's very strange. I was talking to my, my coach today about it. I said, dude, it's so weird. Like I brought, and I'm a fat guy, so I not fat guy, but I, I bring fats. So like yeah, nuts, yeah. meats, cheeses. Um, I had jerky, I had um, M&Ms just for something different, yeah. <clears throat> peanut M&Ms. But um, so I, my feedback had those, like it had the almonds and the yeah. M&Ms and the jerky just in my, in my front yeah. bar feedback there. And I would just rotate those bags, but the, the chorizo sausage and the cheese was in my, my frame bag. And I think oh, I dipped okay. in once maybe yeah. like I came back with all the food that I, like I didn't di- di- diminish my food. And so my coach was saying, it's like, there's a mental thing to that. So one, one, I think I'm fat adapted. So yeah. I think that helps for, I was never really that hungry. And then also because your mind knows that you've got maybe a couple of days worth of food in there that it just physiologically just doesn't, yeah. it's like, okay, we're good. We're safe. You know, and yeah. it, it goes into more conserving mode, I, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I ate at resupply a little yeah. bit. Oh, and the thing I read in your, um, about Gatorade, don't drink Gatorade, man. That's poison. Don't put that in your mouth. Oh, that, that, was such a, that was my biggest regret. Did it, did you get nauseous from it? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I left Fort Steele at like 1230, you know, basically in the heat of the day, the biggest, hottest climb of the whole, the whole race. 
and I dumped a bottle of Gatorade and I mix, I added some water to it. Right. Yeah. But not a lot, but I couldn't stomach it. Yeah. Even on the best of times, I can't stomach it. So I don't know why I thought I would stomach it at that point. And so I, I just didn't want to drink because it, I didn't like the taste of that stuff. So by the time I got almost to the top of Wild Horse Pass, I realized I was dehydrated. Like I was starting to get nauseous. I was just feeling crappy. Eventually I just stuck my head in a stream and I just guzzled and guzzled and guzzled. I just couldn't stop drinking. You didn't treat it? (laughs) No, that was the only untreated water. I I treated water the whole time except up in Wild Horse Path, like at the top. You're so high. I I don't know. You're so high at that point. It was like, you know, you could practically see the snow. So, you know, so at that point I was just like, I didn't care because I, I just, yeah, I couldn't wait. I, for the tablets or whatever. I just needed a drink. Yeah. It's amazing that that bomb of sugar requires a lot of water to process that. That's the other thing about the fats, eating the fats is yeah. it requires less water to, to, okay. to, to get the energy out of it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I didn't drink a lot. I didn't drink a lot of water either. I found like I didn't like I, I was riding with someone who was kind of a bit more of a eating a lot more carbohydrates yeah. yeah, we got to some point. It was my buddy James, and he was like, "Dude, I've I've had," and you know, he was having trouble with the heat. Granted, and he said, so "Oh, I've had like eight or nine liters of water already." I'm like, "Holy shit, man! I, <laughs> I think I've felt like maybe two, two or liters or three liters." Yeah. And yeah. um, yeah, it, I've had I had that experience on the on the AR seven hundred uh, a few yeah. years back where I got to Highwood Highwood House there and I I ate like an idiot. And it's just that sugar bomb. And then you you just go into digest mode and it, you feel like you lose your juice. Like you just lose all your yeah. energy because it's all being focused on, on digestion. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't drink Gatorade, man. <laughs> I, did, I did. I did drink scratch. Yeah. I, really, I, really, I found that really worked quite well uh, at about 50% because it does have just cane sugar in it. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm different than you. I, I totally plant-based. So I'm, I'm like pure carb kind of all the time eating bananas and dates are kind of my main riding food. Yeah. And it worked pretty good for me. The scratch worked really well because it, the taste was like, is really light. Plus I I mean, I'm drinking it 50% diluted. Right. So I found it great because it's, it's got actual, I'm drinking my calorie. I'm just getting more calories in. Yeah. I'd rather like, so my, my strategy was just trickle the calories in constantly. Just keep, keep little by little, keep it going. I realize I can't, I can't overeat. If I overeat at any point during the, it, it, it doesn't, my stomach doesn't handle it mm-hmm. well, but if I keep trickling it in just every hour eating something. Yep. I, th- I think the difference with that that scratch stuff is it's uh it's cane sugar and not it's high fructose natural. yeah not high fructose corn syrup that's probably yeah, the difference yeah the, the no, main difference sure. but um <clears throat> yeah that's interesting it's the the nutrition thing is very interesting I'm not a carnivore by any stretch of the imagination most of the time I don't eat any meat actually it's just yeah. very very nuts and plants and yeah. but more fat than than anything but um. Yeah, man. Nutrition's interesting. People run it's yeah. just, physiologically. It's so different, right? Like everyone just has a different yeah, requirement. Exactly. Yeah. Like Mike, my buddy that we're, I started out riding with, he probably goes through double the water I do. 
you know, I, I just seem to not need as much water. Mm-hmm. It's just a different, different body composition or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of, I mean, in this sort of a race, that's probably quite helpful <laughs> to not need as much water. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, I didn't treat any of my water actually. I, I have a filter. I have a Sawyer yeah. mini filter and <clears throat> I just didn't. <laughs> and I got home and I, I, uh, I, I had some stomach issues when I got home and I was like, ah, oh, yeah. shit, here we go. Like you idiot. Yeah, sure, sure. And they, yeah. they were, they were pretty gnarly, but, um, um, then I thought, well, maybe it was the, all the junk I put in at when I got back to Cranbrook, cause I, uh, Esther, Eric's yeah. wife brought me like two burgers and a couple shakes and I just pounded it. Right. And that probably was the worst thing to put in my body. Right. But I was just, yeah, yeah. that was a reward for me. That was fully emotional reward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My emotional reward was uh coconut water. So like oh, every stop yes. I drank like a liter of coconut water in yak I bought coconut water in Fort Steele and then again in in uh, Canal Flats. That was my uh, thing. Then at the end, uh, my buddy brought me a Subway sandwich. I just, that was definitely the spot. Yeah. The ultimate reward would have been cold well watermelon, though, at that point. Mm. I, I was like, I was dreaming about watermelon, especially on like Wild Horse. <laughs> like that's all I could think of was watermelon. <laughs> just something, just something juicy. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, that was a tough pull that day. I got, I got lost at the top too. Oh yeah. Not lost, but I don't know what happened. I have no idea. I, I, I questioned my instruments. I, I, I questioned the track, which was weird because, um, it was very apparent, but I remember I kind of went through all the, the stages of, um, like I was angry and, you know, what the fuck am I going to do? I was like, do I have to press my SOS? Like, seriously? Like, what is going on? Is it on the descent? No, man. It was just the very top. It was just the very, very top before it dropped down. Oh, and, before it dropped down. Yeah, okay. just before. Like, I, I dropped in, and then I just, this doesn't feel right to me. Something didn't feel right. And, and, and instead of exploring further, I was living with the fear of, oh, I don't want to go down here too far because I don't want to have to come back up. It was, it was just a weird situation. It was daytime. And, yeah. um, I ended up just trying to find a flat plate, a flat spot. Cause I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to have to sleep here, I better find a place to sleep. <laughs> right. Cause yeah, I yeah. couldn't figure it out. And then I just took my GPS off my bike and I just went for a walk and I just, I calmed down and just, okay, c- come on, just calm down. It's right there, man. Like it's on the, on the head unit. You can see it. And then I found it and it was just, it was just right there. It was just yeah, right, yeah. but it was so narrow and so bushy. And, yeah, uh, it, was, it was a bit of a sketchy drop-in. I, I, I got off track a bit in there on that initial drop-in as well. Because there was multiple tracks dropping me in off the top. Yeah, that's probably what screwed me up. <clears throat> yeah. I should have zoomed in a bit further. But also the tracks were, my tracks weren't really aligned on the map. They were just kind of a bit off. Yeah. And I was like, I missed something or something's wrong. But man, when I got to that road, I was just like, okay, close that chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But what a fun descent, hey! Oh yeah, yeah. It was that, that so was long. Just, and I've never been in that. Well, I mean, I, I've never been to almost any of the places I rode through. But that, the whole ride down for the next, what seemed like a couple of hours almost of descending, was gorgeous. 
Yeah, it's almost right to. It almost felt like right to um, <laughs> to where? Right to White Swan, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just yeah. seemed like you know, there's a little bit of undulation, but it, yeah. it was just you know, my my only frustration was having the one gear. I was spun out all the time, right? So oh, yeah. it's not like I could I give it a bit away. Yeah. yeah, there's plenty of flats in there. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, and then I think at uh, you cross, um, I don't even know what little creek that is but uh harry and mo stopped at about six, 160 okay. 160k on this bridge and there was like a little be- awesome sleeping spot actually i considered it but i just wanted to why 160 didn't feel good to me you know okay yeah 200 i just kind of like no i gotta tick over 200 like i have to do yeah. that that's very cool so so what was your um what time did you get to the bushwhack at on that last day you know I can't remember the exact time, but all I remember is I, I entered in the dark and I came out in the light. Okay. So, you know, I, it, it day, day dawned while I was in the book, while I was in there. So, I mean, it's technically only supposed to be 400 and something meters, right? Yeah. I must've at least dragged my bike for at least a kilometer. Do you think? Like, I felt like I was just, I wasn't, I was like, because I, I heard that there was almost going to be a bit of a track just because, you know, they were like, well, enough people go through here now. <laughs> you know, there's got to be a little bit of a trail. You were, But you were the I pointy end of the anything. stick. <laughs> I was following your track through there. I was like, oh, thank, someone's been through here. <laughs> oh, man, I was, that was, yeah. I was so careful to not like knock anything off my bike. Oh, it's so stressful. Yeah. And plus, you know, like I'm in the dark and it, and it was just like ripe berries everywhere. Right. So you're just, you know, this is bare heaven. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just singing out loud, you know, just to like notify all the bears, you know, that I'm there. Um, you could walk into the, you could run right into the back end of a bear and you wouldn't, wouldn't see it. They probably think you were a bear <laughs> crunching through the woods like that. Like, crunching man. I was, I said on a couple of podcasts, well, I said it to, I was saying it to Andrew. It's like, man, with all the rain we got this year, it's going to be super thick. And it was way thicker than it was last year. Okay. And yeah. we, were, we were going downhill and it seemed to be, it seemed to be a bit, I don't know. It didn't seem to be, it, it was a more of an annoyance this year. It was like, Oh my God, so thick. And at one time, you know, you're pushing your bike through it and it's your bike. My bike was surfing on top of the, the, yeah. the vegetation it's just like there's just it's so thick i couldn't believe how thick it was in there yeah you don't know if you should be pushing you should be carrying you should be just dragging it you know, yeah. whatever whatever method you use to get through it. I know, I know a guy I've ridden with this guy who uh you know his adventure cycling takes him through bushwhacks all the time and he says he always takes his pedals off because it's just easier you take your pedals off and then and then you know they're not getting hung up and you know i i run Chromag scarab flats. They're like the size of my hand. Yeah. They're just this big bear trap. I, yeah, yeah, I could totally see it. But uh, I didn't. I thought about it, but then I was like, you know, knowing me, I'll take them out and I'll like lose one or something like that. I'm just going to leave them on. Last thing I need is one yeah. pedal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, no. It was, yeah. I'm glad they threw it in, though. I'm, that's, I mean, as much as in the moment you're like, swearing and cussing at whoever designed this trail. Andrew. 
this this rally exactly <laughs> you're like oh. but I, you know afterwards you're like yeah it was awesome i'm glad they threw it in because that's what really adds some spice to the thing I think that's what's great about that route too is that it's just really interesting. You know, it's you're not just riding all these gravel roads that look the same. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or 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 you know when you're climbing up you're climbing up to that bushwhack and it's like you're on, you know, pretty well established roads and then it kind of gets narrow and grassy and then suddenly you're on like the double track and then it gets a bit narrower and then you're just riding on grass and daisies like that experience of basically, you know, you're going into this terrain that, that people aren't going into, right. No one's driving their truck in there because of all the blowdown. Right. Like no one's going in there. I don't think. Yeah. And nobody talked about all the blowdowns after the, yeah. I mean, there must've, man, that was just like blowdown lane. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just blowdowns for a good kilometer or two. Yeah. So, so I love it for its, uh, its, uh, its adversity, right? It's, it's just so different and interesting. And yeah, I think, I think, uh, having mountain biking skills is really handy, you know, on that kind of track. And, um, I was super impressed with, with the couple I rode with for a bit that Harry and Mo that came in yeah. kind of, man, they're so young and, um, you know, I'm, I'm pushing my bike. Like I think you and I are probably, I'm, I'm almost, I'm 49. We're probably similar ages. Yeah, forty seven. Okay, and yeah. uh, and you know they're twenty five or whatever. So I'm like pushing my my bike up the side of a hill, and and Harry is there, you know, and he's climbing. He's still like on his bike in his his yeah. you know in his Christmas gear, and he's just pedaling away, and he's talking. He's like blah blah blah. Da, 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 da. It's like ah, oh, so fucking fit, buddy. Get out of here. <laughs> and I'm pushing, and I'm like, uh, you know, just trying to keep moving and. Oh man, it's so funny to be young again, right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, you you've got this. You've probably got this stick to witness mental fortitude to not stop. Yeah, they had that too, though, oh, man. Yeah. They had it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, that's true. You know, yeah. they they finished. Yeah, and they're smiling, and I was riding behind them for a while, yeah. and yeah, and they were riding up in front of me, and and. uh it was just warm my heart. They're just such a, yeah. such a cute couple. They were just, they got along so well and they're playing on their bikes and they're racing each other. And, and at one time, uh, Mo Maureen kind of comes back and we're riding together for a bit. And he goes, you know what? It's been really nice riding with you guys. You guys are a really good couple. Like just, it just kind of gave me hope with all the stuff that's going on in the world right now. You know, it gave me hope that there's still people out there with that are just awesome. Like just, good time people you know like yeah do you have any uh did you have any um are you an emotional guy do you have any emotional epiphanies out there i don't think so i mean it was just for me i just love the i just am out there enjoying being in the wild and enjoying the earth and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a religious guy. I spend a lot of my time out there just talking to God and all of this. I, I just love that time out there talking to the creator. Mm. So that, that to me is pretty cool. That's, that's a important thing for me. It just recharges me in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. And just being out there in, in that incredible wild places is just 
Nothing like it. I love it. First of all, I want to apologize for my potty mouth. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And and yeah. and two, I, I'm I'm not religious, but there's there is a, a strange connection. Like, um, when you're when you're testing your limits like that, and you're yeah. you're out in nature, and you're so vulnerable, like you, you're super vulnerable. Yeah. Like you know what you 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 go oh, yeah. to, you go to sleep and you're freezing, right? You're like that's that's pretty vulnerable, right? Yep. And um, Mother Nature doesn't give a shit, you know. <laughs> like, it could have snowed. It could have snowed that yeah, night yeah. or something crazy yeah. like that, right? And it's like you're, you're, um, you're almost rolling the dice a little bit, you know. Yeah. When you go out, and yeah. I, I always find I come back, I always feel a bit more connected, you know. Yeah. Maybe just ah, sounds so woo woo, but just be more connected to the planet because you went and yeah. ta- you went and tackled it. You saw a bunch of it. You you know not when I don't say tackle it like defeat it because I don't think you defeat it. No, you you um, you just, right? Yeah, you just feel grounded. Yeah, sleeping on the ground, looking up at the cosmos, and just like being completely absorbed by like we're so small, we're so insignificant, oh, man. Switching, switching your place, right? Yeah, yeah. Or then when you when you face some sort of adversity or mechanical or. A, getting lost or it, it, it's a test, right? It's just kind of like, yeah. it's a little bit of a test and it's like, um, no, oh, I can't remember this quote. It'll come to me. Um, adversity doesn't build character. It reveals it. That's mm. the quote. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah. Like I, you know, depending on who you are, you know, if you have a mechanically, you just <laughs> throwing your bike around, God, God, just throwing it around. Right. But yeah, yeah. But I think being out there and being vulnerable puts you in kind of a different headspace, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 No, I, yeah. And that's, I, I kind of, yeah, you just love that, you know, in a, in a sick sort of way, you love that adversity and that challenge and that pushing to the edge, you know, it's the same when I'm out climbing or whatever, right? Um, you, you, you have those same sort of moments out there like i'm not sure i'm gonna make it out on the other side but uh you just keep going yeah it's like that that feeling of awe sometimes like yep. you know you got the lows i always i was it's funny I, I paid really attention to these lows and highs this time and you know i'm a pretty flawed man so i've got a lot of stuff going on in my head like when i'm out there i i, I have a lot of processing to do so i had quite a quite a few emotional things like I was listening to a, <clears throat> to a, a Foo Fighters song and uh, this lyric, this lyric played and um, I, I broke down, man. Cause it was just oh, like a gosh. reflection of, of what's going on in my life at that given yeah. moment. And yeah. uh, it just broke me down. And it, and then I finished the song and I went back and I listened to it again. And then I went back and I listened to it again and I listened yeah. to it like four times. And it was just like this, oh, uh, it was just this weird, it just, the resonance of that, that, that poetry, you know, yeah. um, it just really, really, really rung my bell. Right. And, and I had to, I needed time to process that. Yeah. Well, I, you're, you're, you're just more well, sensitive. Isn't the right word, but you know, when you're pushed and you're just at the, you, you're, when you're pushing yourself to those limits, you're just more on edge emotionally, mm. physically, you're just, yeah, like 
you're kind of on exploring those limits a little more <laughs> on all of those things yeah. when you're pushing yourself like this. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Um, I, know, I, I had something I was going to say, but I can't remember what it was. I'm such a, I'm so gap today. Come on. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I would encourage anyone to, to do something like that, even a hike, like a, a through hike or something yeah. right where you're out kind of by yourself. Oh, I know I was going to say, um, it's ego dissolution. I've said it before on this podcast. It's like when you go out and you're vulnerable, your ego goes away. It, you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. you're not, yeah. you're, you're not, it's, yeah. it, you're just at a, this base, this baseline emotional state. And, uh, yeah, it's just calmer. I don't know. It's so it's, it's interesting. I enjoy it. I can't wait to do another one. I want to do a longer one. Something really long. Yeah. It, it must be something about the focus because mm. you can do this focus. I mean, I don't even, I'm not even like listening to music or podcast. I'm just, Fifty hours, fifty-two hours, just focused. Oh, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> how do you do it? I just, I didn't even, I just didn't like. I just like leaving all that behind and just, yeah. Yeah, I do listen to books, um, and but this time on the Last Elephant last year, I listened to a lot of books, and um, uh, Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life yeah. was my was my jam last year. Yeah, and a great book. And, um, this year I started books, but then I was like, nah, I just kind of, it was more of a music, yep. you know, I just had to get more in the music, but yeah, I didn't, I, 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 I it's on all the time. Maybe I need to experiment with that actually. Do you, do you, uh, what do you wear for earbuds or what? How do you, are you, you know? Oh, just the, you... just the Apple, the stock ones. I've, okay. it, I've tried different ones and, um, I can't find one that's any good. I honestly, I can't find one that stays where I want it. Or, um, I don't know if it's the, I, I don't know if those buds are noise canceling or not, or semi noise canceling. I'm not sure, but they don't respond to the wind the way a lot of other headphones do. And I, okay. I, I try all these different headphones and one, they don't last. They just, they, they break. So gotcha. I, I just use the Apple ones and the wired ones. Cause I don't want to deal with charging them. I just want to yeah. keep yeah, them. Yeah. And I'd have to charge them like three times a day because I've got it running yeah. all day. Yeah, I run it all the time. Exactly. Part of my thing is always I like to hear what's going on around me, so, especially when I'm by myself. You know, you're talking about being vulnerable. Mm. I, mean, I, just, I don't know. I want it. I want to hear when there's an animal jumping out. You know, before it appears <laughs> in front of me. I, I had a bull, a big bull elk that I spooked, and uh, he spooked me. Probably more than I spooked him. Yeah. But with a big animal. They are huge. They're nice. huge. Like yeah. it was a big bull. Yeah, that freaked me out. But I knew I couldn't see it, but I could hear it running. And I, I, t- I could tell right away it was must have been an elk or a moose because I could hear the hoofs on the rocks. Yeah. I knew it wasn't a bear. This was at night, obviously. And it, it was. was. No, this actually wasn't at night. This was in daylight, but there was enough bush I couldn't see. Oh. I couldn't, like it was really close, but I couldn't see it until a little later. I saw it break into a clearing, but yeah. I, I caught an elk just randomly. Like it was dark and I had my headlamp on and I just, I don't know if I sensed something, you know, your spidey senses. Yeah, you ever yeah. notice that? It's, oh yeah. You're like, humans are so crazy. We're crazy, man. We don't, if, when you pay attention, there's so much going on. 
Like, you yeah. know, like your body's telling you all sorts of stuff. So my spidey yeah. senses kind of went off and I just looked to the right and it was just, it was this massive elk. And it was just like oh, deer in the headlights, just like looking at me. Yeah. Um, but it was just there. I was like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Last year, I've told this story before, but I think it was, um, I, I can't remember. It was, it was in the Purcells. I can't remember the exact spot, but you know, I was, had my book on, it was in the middle of the night and I just had my head down and I was just kind of grinding away. And I just happened to look up and there were these two big green eyes, like the size of two, like toonies, the big, big green eyes. And they were probably like two feet over my head and they're right in the road. And I just remember looking up and I just went, Hey, what are you doing? Like, I just, I just like fight or flight just kicked in right away. And the thing just bolted. It took off so fast. Scared the shit out of me though. It was just yeah, like, an elk or a moose? pretty sure it was an elk. There would be no moose up there. I, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't think it was a deer. It was the eyes were so spread apart. Like they were so far yeah. apart and uh, yeah, it just freaked me out. I'm kind of the opposite. I don't want to hear. I want to hear. <laughs> You're not going to, you're not going to hear that cougar when it's flying through the air at your neck anyway. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't worry too much about too much. Although we did encounter a grizzly after going like the descent of wild horse pass. Yeah. And it was sketchy. It was like this super, it was skinny, like malnourished, sick, like, which yeah. is kind of not a good combination. So, so I'm kind of glad we were together. So we saw it and we're like, Hey bear, what are you doing bear? And then it went off to the side of the road, but there's yeah. nowhere for it to go. And it was just kind of playing with a log. It was batting this log around like it was like a toy, right? Just looking for yeah. grubs or whatever. And as we were kind of flanking it and we had our bear spray out, um, it, it kind of like, it, it scared, like it was super scary. And it kind of looked up at us and it was just like, oh, jeez, yeah, yeah. man, we got to get out of here. Let's just get out of this. Yeah. Keep, keep moving, keep moving. Yeah, so it was just that grizzly and then one one really healthy black bear. That's all we saw, really. And then bunnies like crazy going down in that first night of sleeping. <laughs> they're, they're everywhere. Especially at dawn. Yeah. At dawn, like right as it's the sunlight starting to appear, I was dodging them like crazy. <laughs> yeah, because they sit there. Front. They don't move. Yeah, till like the last minute. I, mean, I don't think it would take you out, but it, you know, it has the potential to take you out. Yeah, well, totally. Yeah. Long angle. Yeah. <laughs> There's dinner. There's dinner, I guess, <laughs> depending on how bushcrafty yeah. you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, kind of what, what, do you have any higher low points that you had on there? I guess I asked you about epiphanies. Did you have any like really low points? I, I'd say the low point, well, Part of the, you know, maybe a one low point was probably up on Wild Horse when I was realized I was getting dehydrated. But that really wasn't too bad. I'd say the next low point would have been maybe at around 10, 30 or 11 o'clock at night. You know, I had, I left Canal Flats at about 9 p.m. I managed to, you know, hit the store before they closed. Oh, good. Lucky. Filled my pockets with bananas and off I went naively thinking maybe I could just ride through the night and just finish the thing. But by like 10, 30, 11, I couldn't ride in a straight line. Yeah. It was like I was on a flat section and I couldn't, like I, I was just, I couldn't go straight. I, at that point I was like, I have to stop. Like I, this is dangerous at this point. Yeah. So I just, you know, I was like, I'm going to sleep for a few hours. 
and uh, that was the best thing ever because I had no idea. Like that last hundred K went on forever. <laughs> forever. Like, it just, I thought it was only going to take me a few, you know, yeah, four or five hours I'll be done. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah. It was long. It was a long haul. Yeah. Six. Yeah. So that was a nine hour day for me. Like I left at six and rolled in at yeah. three thirty. For for 120k, that's a big day. Like that's a long 120k, right? Yeah, and the last like 40k are on pavement. Too. Oh, dude. That and that might have sucked for you because you couldn't pedal. I've, <laughs> I was trying to tell people that it's like the worst part of that whole thing was that you, you'd think that you can get to the pavement and you'd be like, ah, like you know when you roll into Yak, pavement was kind of nice. It's like okay, you know, some rest and recovery on the pavement. But that thing, exactly what you said, it's like, it's not steep enough that you can just like whip down to Cranbrook and it's just fast enough that I was just, I was, I was spun out all the time. You're spun out, exactly. And the heat, man, like, I mean, you finished at 10, right? 11. So what was that taste? So I was rolling through there, like what, 132 kind of thing. And it's like coming around a corner. It was like, I was riding into an oven, like, Um. The, the ambient temperature, it, it, the, this wind was like at least five degrees hotter than the ambient temperature. And I was yeah, so yeah. tired and depleted at that point. Like I was even saying it out. I was yelling it. I was like, why are you so hot? Why is it so hot? I kept saying it super loud, right? <laughs> How does this happen? I didn't understand. It was just, it was so yeah. hot. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst, man, rolling into Cranbrook. And then I was well, thinking Dion Clark was going to be there with a beer. I didn't realize he had scratched because he's a good dude. He's usually there. And I was, I was daydreaming like, cause you know, I think if he had won, he'd probably hang around, but I'm not sure. Cause he might have to work or whatever, but he met me after the BC epic. It was so great just to have people meet you. Yeah. And I was fantasizing that he's gonna, he's gonna say, Hey Steve, congratulations. Here's a beer. Still got my hotel room across the street. Once go have a shower. <laughs> just fantasy. It's just fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. But, you know, it could have been hot. I, I'm I'm quite thankful, like, the first day was nice and cool, relatively speaking, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was only, like, 24 degrees or 21 degrees. I don't know. Could have been 35 or something. The whole time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was so hot. Yeah. So um, what are you planning now? What's What's your next plan? It's, a, I, it's an addictive, right? You're going to do like, you're going to keep doing them. Well, I'm, yeah, I'll, I'm, yeah, I'll definitely do some more of this stuff. I have no immediate plans. Um, James was asking me if I'm going to do the AR 500 this weekend. I was like, I hadn't even crossed my mind, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know what, what's next. I got to, you know, recover here and then I'll figure it out. But yeah, no, it's tons of fun. I, I I like the I like the race and the community aspect of it. Yeah. Kind of had some. I think this fall I'll probably go with just uh, a couple of riding buddies and do some weekend trips, go explore some new places. But uh, um, no no plans for any formal events. Yeah. You should do the AR. You should go and do it. Could you do it? Do you think? I, I, I'm sure I could do it. I don't, I don't think I, I just have like, I'm just like, not at all. 
<laughs> yeah, I was talking to James tonight. Actually, I, I went out for a spin after work, and and I was just thinking about you know our our conversation and thinking about I rode a lot with James, and um, uh, we we have the same coach, so we were kind of sharing stories okay. and and uh, yeah, I, I really connected with that dude. You know, it's like Sweet. when you ride with people, you know, and we worked together a little bit uh, when he lived in Invermere, but. Um, it was, I called him up and, and he was telling me that it's, uh, he thinks it's going to be pretty chill compared to the, yeah to the lost elephant, like the, the, you know, less climbing and kind of more, more, probably more rideable train than, than the other one. You should do it. You should go do it. What is it? A couple of days? Come on. Just a day and a half. <laughs> just 500 K of gravel. You can do it. You should yeah. do it. And now you're going to lose sleep. You're going to be thinking about it all night. I should do it. <laughs> Yeah. So what was your, um, were you two days, five hours and change? Is that, is that correct? Tell me. Two days, four hours, 39 minutes or something. Right on. Well, congratulations, man. That's, that's fantastic. Like for, for a, for a rookie ride, you know, like just getting your feet wet. I don't know. It's just riding a bike, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, It was, I mean, I, I tried hard. Put yeah, a lot of effort of training into it, a lot of prep, but it all paid off. It kind of came together really well. What, what was your favorite piece of gear? Good question. I I think just having a, a probably just the bike. It was it was kind of fun. I spent the winter building up this bike. I bought a frame. Oh, nice. Kind of buying pieces and finding a used fork here. And I don't know, I just built a bike over the winter as a little project, trying to go as budget as I can, but as light as I could, you know? So that was kind of fun. It was good to know that like it didn't break. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, it was really kind of my first ride on it. I, I mean, I went out for a couple of mountain bike rides with it before just to test it out. And I was like, okay, I think it's going to work. What kind of luggage did you pack on that? I had a small frame bag, just a small little frame bag. Cause it really didn't, the frame doesn't have much space in it. Hmm. Um, but enough for some food and then uh, a small seat bag and a couple of feed bags, a couple top tube bags. I, I didn't have anything. I didn't have a bed roll on the front or nothing like that. Nothing strapped to the bars. Um, it all worked out really well. Um, water bottles on the front forks that worked out really well. Just two, two big bike water bottles. Yeah. Worked awesome. I just reach down, drink, guzzle away. I, I hate wearing a backpack. So I just, <sighs> I'm glad I didn't do that. Getting into bike packing changes that for a lot of people, you know? Like, yeah. I just, yeah. I'll so never nice. wear a pack again. <clears throat> Maybe. I, I, my plan, hopefully, if logistics worked, is to do the Tour Divide next year. And I'd probably bring that little, um, I totally gapped what it is. I don't use it that much. That little, it's about the size of a mandarin orange, that pack that um, oh, it's escapes me. I never use it. But it's just a super oh. lightweight um, pack. And it, it, it's a packable pack. You just, like, fill it with food. It's like 20 liters. You fill it with food and then you tuck it away when you don't need it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe. It'd be nice not to have to do that. But... And, you know, I, th- I think if it's one or 200 K between resupply, you don't really need a pack. Oh no. You can carry enough. Two or 300 K, I figure. Yeah. Like 
I had uh, that's why I wore a cycling jersey as well. So I'd had the I had the yeah. pocket. So I, I used the pockets, especially after Fort Steele. Yeah. Like filled it up with sandwiches and muffins from Fort Steele. Yeah. <laughs> I had I was just wearing a button down. I'm glad I did because I I rode in a, like it was half naked all the time. I had the thing fully open all the time. It was so yeah. hot. Oh, I, had un- I was unzipped, you know. Just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. What What are you gonna bring next time? extra warmer long underwear yeah <laughs> I, I had pretty light merino wool a little too thin yeah and uh slightly warmer gloves like because i did all that riding through the cold part of the night my hand i just had regular riding gloves yeah this summer i should have taken warmer gloves i had them packed and at the last minute i left them behind you know what works really well is a pair of nitrile gloves over top. You know, I I considered that, and I that's a great idea. Yeah, Just like, cut the right? Like the black ones, the uh, yeah. the monkey wrench ones. They're they're thick. Yeah. Like you can use them over and over again. Um, I don't know. I, I had a pair of merino wool gloves and I had some nitrile gloves as well. But that first morning, you know, when we started, my hands were frozen. <laughs> it was yeah. like, oh, I couldn't use my hands at all for yeah. hours. I actually still yeah. have it. Do you have any uh, nerve damage? Do you have any? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, where? Um, both my big toes. Big toes, interesting. And then my ring finger. Oh, yeah. Like I, on I, I, the inside I of it? it a couple of years ago oh. on a crash. Yeah. So I had a lot of pins put in it. Oh, okay. So it's not the same. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> still, still waiting for all the feeling to come back in there. Yeah, I've got opposite my pinky toes. Both my pinky toes are, are oh, yeah. almost still dead. And to the point, you don't think you need your pinky toes. But for the first <laughs> for the first couple of days, I was walking around the house and I was like, whoa, just whoa. weird. I just didn't have, and then, you know, even now I knock them on the ground and and uh, they're numb. And then my uh, my pinky fingers and a little bit of that ring finger thing. Yeah, I've, had, yeah. I've had carpal tunnel syndrome, so I'm kind of used to those sensations or lack of sensations i guess but yeah yeah it take it'll take weeks yeah. for that to go away <laughs> so how are you going to handle that on like you know the tour divide or something with like are you just not going to be pushing as hard so you hope you don't get that kind of nerve damage <laughs> well i think the pace that i that i i think that would be the pace that i would ride that at you know yeah. like you know yeah. try to try to click off 200 a day like i'm not i'm no josh Cato. i'm not going to be doing 350k a day or anything or maybe I will. I don't know. I doubt it. But um, but the but the hand thing is a bit new. But um, when I did the BC Epic, it took months for my hands to get better. And what I did is for the Lost Elephant last year is I jacked my front end up. Um, I didn't have a lot of stack, so I ended yeah. up buying one of those steer tube extenders. Boop. Okay. And then it gives you like an extra, yeah. Place. So I put the bars up here, and um, uh, sounds so old, man, to do that. But man, it was a game changer you can't get super down in the wind obviously because because like and i run a jones bar too right so when i'm sitting up when i'm sitting up and i've got my hands on the ends of the jones bars i'm basically my my spine is completely erect yeah completely erect and then um and then getting in the arrow bars was nicer in that way too because they're just kind of like it's not like you're down you know, tucked in, you're, you're, you can oh, still nice kind of, yeah, it's just, I called it the couch. Cause it's just, when I first wrote it, I was like, Oh my God, so comfortable. Right. 
So I didn't do oh, that yeah. this time. I didn't put the stack on. I was like, eh, because the bike I rode this time has a has a higher front end, and yeah. it was kind of in that area where it's like maybe, maybe not. So I just decided just to save the weight and not use that little chunk. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I kind of wish I had it actually. Yeah. Did you spend a lot of time on your? Uh... <laughs> not on that ride for sure like, I, was like, I guess you know maybe the last 30 kilometers you could use. yeah no but you know like on the highway i would it, it just gives an yeah. alternate position where you can kind of get down and, and you're not using your hands yeah. and you you can kind of yeah. just if they were higher i would have probably been in them a bit more but yeah, yeah i mean i was pushing so much like i was hiking so much and um yeah i didn't i didn't use them as much as i probably use them on the tour divide but yeah, I don't know what I'm going to ride next year. I have no idea. I got to figure, maybe I'll try to build something over the winter. Yeah. I need something. I got to figure it out. All my bikes are falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy building a bike over the winter. It's kind of a fun, fun distraction and yeah, fun project. I actually, I have a muck luck. I thought about maybe putting 29 plus on that and riding that yeah. like a, a last year's, um, muck luck fat bike. <clears throat> Yeah. And it's super comfy. Like it's a super comfortable bike. Yeah. And it's fairly light. Um, but I just worry about the bottom bracket width for doing something really long. I, I, it's pretty, that is pretty Q factor. Yeah. It's pretty wide. So, and I've noticed since I've been riding my, my narrower, like doing bike pack races on, on a narrower bottom bracket. Um, it definitely feels different. Like it just, yeah, it's, it, it more doesn't natural. Yeah. More natural. And, and you know, it's not like I'm not a skinny guy by any stretch, you know, but so my hips are kind of wide anyway. So I was kind of saying, Oh, you know, my hips are kind of wide, blah, blah, blah. But when I ride this other bike, it's like, no, this is, it's too wide for, for distance. I think that could, you could be seriously messed up after 30 hours of pedaling. If you got it too wide of a Q factor, I would think. You know, yeah. Are, yeah. It's yeah. just trying to, and it never done it. Right. So it's like, I don't know how yeah. to, yeah, that's you, true. you're just using kind of it's all best gas and and i was yeah. thinking about that too it's like you know i had stomach issues man what if that happens and i'm a weekend and i've <laughs> yeah. you know you, you just deal with it it would suck though like to have to scratch because you've got stomach issues so yeah yeah lots to consider for that stuff yeah yeah sweet well uh I, I look forward to following you if you do the tour divide this next year. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Life can be crazy, right? Who knows? It's gonna. Happen. That's the plan. Yep. You know, taking a month off is not a small thing, kind of thing. That's why I'm not. That's why I haven't done it. It's um, a lot it's of time. The, the commitment to it. It's a big commitment. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it's. I, I want to do it while I kind of. I feel like. I mean, I don't know how you feel about being late forties. But I've I've found my forties to be almost prime. I feel like I've probably I'm probably in the best shape I've ever been in. I feel that way. Yeah. Um, especially for long stuff, like endurance stuff. So I kinda wanna do it before I can't, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm kinda with you. I'm kinda yeah. I'm, I'm, I I feel like I could do it in the next any time in the next ten years, I'm yeah. sure. I mean, but the hell, people are doing it in their seventies and sixties and like People That's are, awesome. Yeah. So awesome. I'll use that as inspiration, but for sure. Yeah. Well, man, I'm kind of mindful of your time. Um, congratulations again on that. Thank you. It's awesome. I, I wish we had more. Oh, thank you. I wish we had more time to kind of, uh, to actually meet out there on the trail. 
Yeah, couldn't catch you. I couldn't catch you that last day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I appreciate your time. Looking over my shoulder, waiting for you. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, slowly approaching. Um, If people are you pretty active on social networking, or you know, uh, you know, the closest thing I am to active on social networking would be a Strava. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. That's where James said he was talking to you. I'm not much. I'm really not much of a social media guy. No, kind of, a Neanderthal is, you know, in the social media world, probably my kids at least would think that for the better. I think it's for the best, actually <laughs> <laughs> for the best. Can people follow you on Strava? Like, is that, oh, how, sure. I don't use yeah. it. So I don't really, what's yeah, your, yeah, what's your no, tag? Uh, just look me up, Justin Hedinger. Okay. I think it, it might be Cusco Canuck. I'm not even sure. <laughs> um, but uh they can just search for you and find you there oh he's looking it up let me justin hedinga okay yeah. what's the origin of your last name hedinga it's dutch okay from the northern part of the netherlands frisian i had the yeah. accent i had the accent in the wrong place it's all right it's all right i don't think i've ever heard anybody pronounce my name correctly in most <laughs> of my life so. that's a bummer that's a bummer <laughs> Well, man, um, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And uh, hey, it was fun. Yeah, I'm glad. And uh, hopefully, um, well, we'll do another one. You know, when you uh, when you get into something else, and I want to hear your stories about it. And yeah, we'll connect again. For sure. Yeah, we will. Uh, we will connect again. Right on. Great. Okay. Thanks, Justin. Have a good night. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Justin Hedinga. Uh, I really enjoyed chatting with him. It's kind of cool to share experiences, you know, with other people about your events. And um, I hope you got a kick out of listening to that. Um, super impressed, man, like to come out as a rookie. And it sounds like he went in there super analytically. You can tell that if you read his write-up on Facebook, you can tell he put a lot of thought into kind of all the different stages of, of that race. And uh, I think, you know, these things are a puzzle. And I would say that Justin did a great job of solving that puzzle for himself on that route. So congratulations again on that great time. And um, hopefully that inspired you to get out there and try one of these things. Cause I'm telling you, man, just got to put a little few miles on and um, anyone can do this stuff. You put your mind to it, you can do it. So maybe I'll see you next year on the lost elephant. I want to thank rebound cycle and cycling one oh one for their support of the podcast. Without your support, I wouldn't be able to do it. And I really appreciate it. Also, for those of you who are rocking my back 40 t-shirts, I really appreciate your support. And if you want to learn how to support the my back 40 podcast, just head on over to my back 40.org slash support. Have a read. Let me know what you think. So, uh, yeah, I got some great conversations coming up and, uh, don't forget to subscribe rate five stars if you're digging it and uh, that'll help me grow and uh, I'll see you next week. So until then keep the rubber side down, everybody.